0: This episode of Molly's Minutes is sponsored by Depop. Depop is the fashion marketplace app where creatives come to buy, sell, and discover the most unique items from around the world. Nowadays, we know that fashion is a major contributor to climate change, but that doesn't mean we all have to stop shopping. There are better options, including using Depop, to discover secondhand and vintage fashion. Shop sustainably without the sacrifice by downloading Depop and searching for amazing fashion you'll love without the footprint. Download it for iOS and Android now or head to defop.com to get started. You don't need to be, and you won't be in a second. I actually promise you. How do you pronounce your last name yes. again? Niskanlon. Niskanlon. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. <laughs> Not to make <laughs> you nervous. Okay, hello. I don't know why I do that every time I start a podcast. Anyway, hello. Um, I'm here with Saoirse Niskanlon. Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so basically... This is a podcast I wanted to do for ages because you've probably seen Saoirse, me tagging Sierra on my, like, Instagram stories. If, like, I don't know, for, I think you're a very good source of sources for information politically. Yeah. So, yeah. like, yeah, I've, I've tagged you a couple of times on my Instagram stories and I saw she was in Dublin and I was like, I need to chat to her and she, I was day like only. yeah I was like I was like do you want to do a podcast she was like on what I was like um I don't know just kidding <laughs> <'cause this laughs> so first of all thank you for making time
1: for me thank you for having me um, Very, very humbling
0: oh thank you yeah I well I don't know why I'm saying thank you um so do you want to just go through your course because that has a lot to do with like what you share and what you put out there on mm. your social medias
1: Yeah so um, I'm nearly finished up now. I'm finished once I hand my thesis in at the start of September Um, but I'm coming to the end of a year's Masters in the Politics of Conflict Rights and Justice at SOAS which is an incredible university in the University of London Um, and it's pretty much what you like what you see is what you get. It's the Politics of Conflict Rights and Justice. Um, I became very interested in Conflict studies um, and the politics behind why things happen rather than mainstream politics, which I'm not particularly interested in, um, come the end of my undergrad. Uh, And this is the only masters I applied to and I got in. I was lucky enough to get a place um, and it has just been so formative. I think it really changed. I'd become quite exhausted and like kind of disengaged with academia. Uh, come the end of my degree I couldn't see myself ever I was really a bit kind of like oh I have to go now into a masters otherwise I'm not going to get a job but I wasn't feeling energized or excited Mm. about it within a month of being in SOAS my whole outlook on academia had changed because I was being taught by academics who are the best in their field a lot of women of colour which made a huge difference I was in Trinity for my undergrad which for me seemed like quite um like a patriarchal white, it is a very patriarchal and white university, which is the opposite of what SOAS is. It's so diverse. The student body is incredibly colourful and mixed. Um, people from all over the world and amazing female-led academic staff, which makes one feel really um, empowered. It's really empowering. And I've really felt like I would have the right to s- support, to achieve my potential um, as a woman. Um which I didn't have in Ireland. Mm. Um, yeah, so it was great. And obviously I feel like my brain just got smarter over the year. I literally <laughs> feel like the brain is a muscle and when you work yeah. it, it does get stronger. It's crazy. I literally feel like I got smarter over the year. <laughs> Weird feeling, yeah.
0: I wish I could say the same. <laughs> so I actually first heard of SOAS in <clears throat> Emma Dabbery's book um, and it just, like, it sounds absolutely incredible. Do you want to, like, just tell me, like, the- not obviously, like you don't have to know everything, but the history mm. generally of SOAS because I couldn't regurgitate it. But obviously, yeah. you've been there.
1: Um. So SOAS is a really. It's honestly just a fascinating place to be. Mm. It's a really small university. The campus is right in the center of London, like a twenty-minute walk from Oxford Street. Yeah. But even at that, it's so quiet, and like you walk into SOAS, and there's just people from all over the world wearing like native or religious dress students coming to college sitting in your lectures you know which you don't get here you're never going to get that in Ireland um but the purpose of the university I mean I'd say the founding or like core principle of everything they teach across every discipline is kind of this idea of decolonization um decolonizing thought and how we discuss things and how we um think about the world um because I'm not sure how old SOAS is, but around 100 years ago when SOAS was founded. The reason it was founded was to um, kind of train or teach some of the officers and officials that they had going out to the British colonies about the countries that they were colonising. Because if you, need, if you want to take over a whole country of people, you need to understand how they think and what their cultures and religions are, how they navigate their, their world and their society um so while they were maybe using this information for the wrong reason they did have an incredible wealth of knowledge and research about so many countries in the global south and in in the developing world um and then in the mid 1900s uh there was kind of a complete ideological switch in SOAS and it did like a 180. And instead of being about trying to conquer the world, which is just a horrible thing, it became much more focused on allowing people from those regions to speak back. Um, And yeah, so they have a lot of... um, Access programs for people from developing countries or people from conflict ridden zones, uh, particularly if those individuals want to study something or take a course relevant to the country they come from or the issues or experiences they have had. Um, So, I mean, even that in itself makes for such an interesting student body. And when you're in a master's course with people from parts of the world you never thought that you would meet or from people who've lived through things like the um, Arab uprisings and stuff that we only saw in the media, you know, it Mm. just is a, a learning experience that is honestly invaluable. Yeah, because yeah. it's
0: not not only that you're getting learning from, like, the actual school, it's, like, everyone around you, mm. everyone you speak to, you're learning from.
1: Mm, it's as much the student body as it is the teaching staff. Yeah. And, I mean, every university has its funding issues, and, like, there's been a bit of stuff in the media about, like, SOAT's not really having great funding and stuff this year, which has made things really difficult for the, for the academics. Um, but... I mean, there's very little that I can fault soas on from my years experience there, especially when I compare it to what Trinity was like for me.
0: Yeah. And what what did you feel in Ireland? Like obviously it wasn't the same type of course, but how did it compare in the way that you were taught? The biggest difference
1: would be the people who were teaching it. Okay. I mean, you know, in soas if you're taking a course on state and society in the Middle East, you know, there's a really good chance that you're going to be taught by a woman of colour from the region who grew up there, who lived, who, whose life experiences are from that country and has to overcome barriers. One, like I as like a white middle class woman would never be able to understand and their way of teaching is going to be informed by a lot, lot more than a white male academic teaching in an Irish university, which is the normal kind of yeah. lecturer in Ireland, um, particularly in politics. And really, because you're being taught by somebody whose knowledge base is much more organic, um, it just makes it a lot more engaging, I think.
0: Yeah, there's much more depth to it because there's like Mm. anecdotal evidence as well as like academic research. Yeah. Yeah, I I find that like really fascinating. And I remember like thinking that I really wanted to learn more about the um, university when I was reading through Emma Devery's book. But I just want to ask, like, why? conflict why like politics of conflict why was that something what was your original course um, um my my
1: undergrad in trinity was sociology and social policy which okay. is just a fantastic course like it's really really interesting and it's very broad um but in final year in the in fourth year of um sociology social policy you have the option to take a conflict studies module okay which is definitely more like sociology rather than politics Mm. but was fascinating so it's done through the the module is done by case study Mm. so one semester um, well for my year our first semester was learning about kind of conflict and all the things within it Mm. in the context of Northern Ireland and then the second semester was about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, so you get a really, really good overview of both of those conflicts and a lot of like critical knowledge. But you also understand a lot about like how conflict operates, where the money goes, um, why it happens, why it's difficult to solve it, peace processes, um, women in in po- in conflict, uh armies militaries it's really interesting and i was just fascinated by that especially um because i had i had kind of close family ties to the conflict in northern ireland from quite um complex in a kind of from like a complex kind of perspective okay um and i just was really interested in it i ended up doing my uh I ended up doing my undergrad thesis on conflict tourism in Belfast. Okay.
0: Um, If you can hear my tummy rumbling on that, um, (laughs) sorry.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, on conflict tourism in Belfast, and by going up there and actually like having the chance to sit down with people um, in West Belfast and chat to them about what did they think about tourists coming in to look at the murals, and uh, it was just fascinating. And for me, it really inspired. desire to learn more about why conflict happens and how we can end it Mm. you know and the right way to end conflict Mm. um because i there was a really interesting exhibition in emma um maybe last year and i a guy came in and i was chatting to him in the exhibition Um, i used to work there and uh, he, w- he was chatting to me and he said, uh, you know, war never stops, it just moves around. And I was like, that is just so yeah, true, you know. so fascinating. Um, and I was like, why is that the way? Mm. Why is there always conflict happening somewhere? And I just wanted to know why. I wanted my a- my questions answered. And I feel yeah. like they got answered at so us.
0: That is absolutely fascinating. But like mm. that quote. Because obviously that's something everyone knows. It's mm. not like you're telling someone something they don't already know. But like... It's, is it like a human condition, or is it, you know? Oh, uh, I no, really no, I'm not asking yeah, you. I'm like just what? saying like <laughs> what that that like that opens. In yeah, your mind. it just
1: really does it. I mean, obviously, yeah, like you said, I knew that, yeah. but hearing it, yeah, someone say it, I was like, wow,
0: <laughs> well, <Whoa>, man, <laughs> I hope I get my master's. <laughs> <that> I did. <laughs> so, what was it like studying um, politics or politics of conflict at this?
1: When there's so much conflict, yeah. Um, at this
0: at this period in time where we're at right now,
1: mm, uh, it <laughs> you're was, like, do you have a glass of wine? Then? <laughs> <laughs> um, it was definitely incredibly interesting. It's very fascinating to be studying something that's so current. I don't think there are that many fields in which when you're actually studying it, it's what is happening day by day by day. Um, you're coming into class and someone gives a presentation and that presentation is on something that happened a week ago. But you're using academic resources from four years ago to explain it, you know. That, for me, was, like, crazy and really interesting. Mm. Um, but it definitely was... Because we had to engage, and obviously I'm very priv- privileged to be able to say this, having like not experienced conflict in, this, in a way that many people all over the world unfortunately have. But waking up every morning and going in for an early morning lecture and kind of spending the day going through what are really dark, harrowing, tricky topics. Um, while I really enjoyed that and felt like it was really important that people do engage with this kind of thing. It, be, it, it does definitely take a toll on like the psyche. Mm. It's very hard to keep a very positive outlook about the world. I think what studying politics does is makes you a real cynic.
0: I can imagine.
1: Yeah, and I definitely am a cynic. I've tried to soften my cynicism a bit, but I can't help it.
0: <laughs> but you have the backing of knowledge behind mm. you and like there's not, you can't really argue with yourself yeah. on that.
1: So it was tough. Mm. I'd say it was tough. Um, it was a difficult year the Masters was definitely a difficult year but so worthwhile mm. um, and I think now it actually even though uh, I mean for the last three or four months definitely not in the last two weeks I feel like I've finally yeah, overcome the kind of Burden I I had felt for the last two or three months of just actually not being able to read the news. I unsubscribed from like my New York's Time email and like some other things. And I was like, I can't read this. Just so much awful stuff is happening all the time. And I'm kind of predisposed to caring about it. That's just how my brain works. Yeah,
0: that's why you studied it.
1: Mm. Um, But I'm kind of past that now. Yeah, because
0: you put up, I remember- Get a grip. (laughs) A thing on- No, like I can imagine it's like Mm. extremely fatiguing. It is fatiguing, yeah. Yeah. Tiresome, I think, sometimes. Especially, like, when we live in a digital world. Like, one thing, like, doing. Like, living in a time where. shit's happening and you're like you're reading it in the paper like you can take a break for it for Mm. you like it's probably like your friends whatsapping you what do you think on this and then you go onto Instagram and because you care and you follow certain pages that's all that's coming up and it's like then you go into college and it's like where's the break
1: where's the break that was kind of it you know Yeah, I mean if you are studying I'm trying to think of like things you study that don't don't happen in the real world environmental science
0: or something like that but if you're
1: studying something where when you go home and you're reading the news it's somewhat of a break yeah but uh, from from like what you're learning 9 to 5 but this was just like 9 to 5 you're learning it then you have to go home and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. see it all again on the news and I think with this like with the digital in the digital era we really are just consistently fed information mm. like at 100 miles an hour all the time unfortunately all the time very more often than not that mm. is news and it's bad news yeah. Um, I'd love a bit of good news. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every now and then, some good news would be nice, but it's always bad. Yeah. News. <laughs> and
0: I see you had to, like, kind of take, a, like, for want of a better word, like, kind of a digital detox. I remember you putting up the thing, being like, sorry for the moment, I'm not going to share these things just because, like, I need, yeah. I need a little bit of space. I needed a bit of space. I yeah. finished my
1: exams and everything, and I was like, okay, this is my opportunity to disengage while I actually have the opportunity to do that. Again, a very privileged thing to be able to disengage from the horrible things happening in the world. Mm. Um, And just because my mind thinks so critically about everything all the time to just take a break from that Mm. and to spend time working on creative things and like hanging out with my friends and sleeping (laughs) and then come back to it when I have time. Yeah. Yeah. To think about it the right way and give everything the due um, time it it deserves. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. I completely understand that. So we were talking about before we came on like you were saying you know where you want to be in eight years' time. I love that you said eight as well. Yeah, a, like, eight is, I can see it yeah. when I'm,
1: like, 30, yeah. <laughs> 31, yeah. and I'm...
0: It's such a, like, it's like, a particular number. I, I can't wait it. to be in my
1: 30s. I'm, like, so excited about <laughs> it.
0: Same. Everyone else is, like, yeah, well, that's another topic. I have so much to say on that, no. but anyway. um, <laughs> But, yeah, you were saying, like, you want... where You explain it back to me, because, again, I couldn't reiterate Yeah, so
1: I've kind of, like, looked at my life for the next 10 years and I'm like I know where I want to be but I'm I think I'm quite a rash, like a rational thinker Mm. so I'm like I know that there's no way I'm gonna be there tomorrow yeah so I'm like for the next 7 or 8 years it's more about kind of like exploring different jobs and developing particular skills that I need to get there mm-hmm. um, so in 8 years what I'd really like to be kind of 8 years it actually kind of is a funny like landmark
0: it's like in 8 years I will be here this is where you can <laughs> find me my number will when be in this, 8 years address- I'm probably
1: going to be still in the same apartment in London like struggling <laughs> Um but no, I think I'm I'm lucky because I have a lot of like friends that are older than me mm. who I can really look look to. Yeah. But what I need to constantly remind myself is that I'm younger than them and I'm not supposed to be as established and well like as yeah. they are. Oh, I you know the they're ten years thing. older than me. Yeah.
0: I have friends who have been in say like something that I want to do or like even a small segment of something I want to do and they've been doing it for like six years. And then I'm like, "How did you do this?" And mm. they're like, "Because I've been doing this for ages." And I'm like, "Oh, oh yeah." And yeah. at the same time, they're looking at me and being like. Like slow down and stop stressing because like you've literally just started this. Yeah, and, like, we
1: all want to be like. We all want to fast forward. Yeah, I think everybody has this thing they want to be like established and 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 like finalise yeah. their their career trajectories by the it, time they're twenty five. <laughs> yeah. that's it's just not realistic. <gasps> it's mad. Um, it's not realistic, but yeah, in, in by the end in about ten years, let's say <laughs> by the time I'm thirty, I want to be like working in cultural branding. Okay. Um, which for me is. I've always wanted to make a difference With what I do But it's like finding uh, Finding the right Way Where Not only would I feel like I was really making a difference But I'd also feel like I was fulfilled Mm -hmm. And I was making an active difference That I could see Mm -hmm. Happening um, and I wanted to go into development studies for a long time um, I really felt like that's where I was going to end up for, since I was 18 I was like I want to go and work in developing countries and be on the ground and I tried it out I lived in Nepal for a while and I worked with some um, with a women's empowerment program there which I was very involved in but um, through doing that kind of learned that there are a lot of things in the development industry that I don't really agree with mm-hmm. um, it's very bureaucratic there's a lot of like red tape Um, And it also, I think, stifled any sort of opportunity I had for creativity, which is a very important part of my life. Music has always been very present in events and that kind of industry has been present in my life my whole, since I was a child. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't really want to turn my back on that. I felt like I was being torn two ways. Yeah. Then I went to a conference in Dublin like two years ago. I can't for the life of me remember the name of it now. But it was just completely changed my outlook on what I wanted to do. Um, I went to see a talk by this woman called Leila Fatar who since has become someone who I actually really look up to in the industry. Um, <clears throat> she's so interesting. And she introduced to me for the first time the, this, the idea of cultural branding. Um, she runs an Instagram page called Brand Activism. And I was like, what is this?
0: Because yeah. at
1: this stage, this was like two, two and a half years ago and I was like, capitalism is the devil. Yeah. I never want to work in a capitalist brand. No, how am I going to ever make any money? Yeah. Um, And I've had to kind of reconcile my hatred of yeah. capitalist corporations. I think a lot of
0: people re- will relate to that. Because yeah. obviously it's a lot of people like our general age listening to this. And I, that's on, like a message that I get a lot. That like, oh, I feel so bad because I like working pennies and it's, it's like, like oh my god you need not to make money you need yeah. to live girl i like, like you're not personally <laughs> doing this yeah
1: like, oh. and
0: I, stop I, blaming I, yourself I, for the system yeah.
1: Um, yeah and I just think that instead of constantly capitalism's not going to fall in our lifetime it's just not it's so mm. deeply embedded in how the whole world works
0: yeah so instead, even the way we fight against capitalism is like yeah. very capitalist it's in its like,
1: nature instead of fighting against it we need to try and think about how we can hollow it out and make it better from the inside out Um, But brands also have so much money and they have so much power and influence over how we think about things. And if a brand gets on board with a really sensitive topic, they can make a hugely positive change. Mm. Maybe not for the right internal reasons, but at the end of the day, does that really matter if they're making a change, if they're making a positive difference?
0: That's a really interesting Mm. question. And that's a debate that...
1: That's a debate that I really had to have with myself, you know. Can I kind of let go of the, what I don't like about, you're not in it for the right reason. Like when Beyonce got on, started talking about feminism, everyone's like, she's just jumping
0: on the bandwagon. But like, is that a bad thing? That's, oh my God. It's like, it's it's obviously, this is like a microcosm, but like sustainable fashion, (laughs) people are like going on to like, like no tea, no shade, but like say like, as someone who is like an influencer and makes money off like mm. social media being like this is just for people's people are just doing this for their own image and stuff like that. And it's like, well, if they're making better choices mm. like ethically, then I don't really What's see why issue? that's a bad thing, to yeah. be honest, from my perspective anyway. Mm. And for me, you know, not everybody
1: is just this like wholesome, you know, perfect, benevolent actor people very often need to kind of feel like they're getting something out of caring about an issue. Yeah. Or like they have something to gain and that's just how people work. Mm-hmm. And I, I found that, you know, with development, I wasn't really getting anywhere. You know, even if I was to go and work with an NGO that I felt really passionate passionately about was I going to have any opportunity to help the big like try and solve the bigger issue Mm. you know maybe I'd make a difference in someone's life but I felt like I was never going to have any opportunity to change some of the structural problems that Mm. cause people to have to live in poverty or that cause people to have to migrate Um,
0: and uh, what was I saying Th- that's so interesting what you're saying. I'm just going to hang on, stop the recording here and keep going, guys, because this is actually the perfect timing before my camera runs out. We'll mm-hmm. be back.
1: Uh, yeah, I felt like I, wa- I didn't really have the opportunity to like change any of the bigger problems. Um, and when I heard about this like culture branding thing, when I got the like found out the statistics and the research that said that you know, brands are going to be in the top five global actors who are able to bring about positive social change, I was like, what?
0: Isn't that
1: nice? Because I just never Would have ever seen myself Wanting to work for a brand Or a big company Um, And yeah I, I mean One of the big issues That I noticed in development Was like The reason nothing was really changing Was because nobody knew about it Like I could be You know Out in India For the rest of my life Working on a project And nobody's gonna know yeah. who's gonna even know about it you know and I was like this is why doesn't anyone know about these horrible things that are happening in the world and it really bothers me that people just don't know mm. and it's not that they don't want to know it's just that the information's not there if it's not happening on our doorstep we don't know about it mm. you know I'm um, like that's a massive like knowledge gap um people And I was like, what can I do to try and solve that? Like to try and get the message out there that these things are happening and people should care about them. Um, And for me, cultural branding is like the right way to do that because if you have a brand that people think is cool or trendy and that brand takes a really strong stance on something, but not only takes a stance, backs it up by actively trying to help that problem by mm. in like investing money in local communities or working with community workers and grassroots organisations to solve the problems um, or to help relieve some of the burden of the issues, um, that it could be really powerful. And obviously, I think a lot of people would prefer to buy from a brand that is really making an effort to change something, not just to share the message, but to actually change it. Mm. Um, you'd be more inclined to to buy from them um and that market research is starting to be done and i think brands are really starting to realize that finally you're starting to see more diverse kind of um advertising companies making these ads and cultural branding has a lot to do with that um it's 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 telling the brands that you know if you want to have a successful campaign that you know gets through to people and is maybe about an issue say like that pepsi campaign with with uh, kendall jenner that fell flat um that could have been so easily avoided by having the right team p- putting it together you know with people who know what they're talking about when it comes to those issues the right knowledge the right um producers the right actors who would would have been able to veto the horrible decisions they made in that ad um and then, it could have been so powerful. I mean, Gillette have made some fantastic stuff recently around their razors, which have just been so well-researched, you know? And they really had the right people behind them, and you can tell because the ads are great. Mm. They had a really interesting one recently. Their kind of catchphrase was, you, can, you know, no matter when or your first shave is, the first one's always really important. And it was like an interview with um, a trans son and his dad. Um, and, and what it was like for his dad and the son to enjoy their first shave together when it was never something that either of them had ever thought would happen, you mm. know. And like that was just really a, quite a powerful campaign. And they had another one previously about toxic masculinity. And they did really well with those. And that is what cultural branding is, mm. Um so yeah, that's kind of what I'd like to be doing.
0: I find this so fascinating because I've actually never heard this term <clears> before. Like it, is it a is it a new thing to think that they wouldn't just have nece- like a marketing team, they'd also have like researchers and yeah. research being done.
1: Mhm. Okay. So like I think um there are agencies that specific research agencies that do all this research research and sell it to brands um, and that research is cultural research it's about trends it's about people's political ideas it's about you know their buying habits and um, what who they hang out with what they drink what people's you know nightlife mm. t- trends are like it's really diverse research but the brands are using that to come up with strategies obviously that work for them and will sell whatever they want mm-hmm. but in doing that, there they actually can have a huge, like yeah. impact. But it is quite a new, burgeoning industry, which is why, like, there's no way I could get a job in it tomorrow. You know. Yeah. But um, in like ten years, I can see it being really quite established.
0: Yeah, and I feel like that's such a big thing with um, like, our I don't want to say like our generation, but kind of like the digital generation mm. if, if that makes sense that where there's jobs that you know will exist in like a few years time where that are so new that it's it's hard to find information on but you don't know how to get there you're mm. like you're standing here and it's way over there I know with what I want to do anyway I'm like I don't know this the exact steps mm-hmm. how to get there but I know where I want to be want to be yeah is that something you struggle with that's like sometimes frustrating you or I would
1: say that it, it doesn't frustrate
0: me. And no. I'd say
1: if, if I could like give someone advice who's yeah. like thinking, this is what I wanna be doing, but I don't know how to get there. It's think about what skills you would need to do that. Mm. So I know that they're, I'm gonna need marketing skills, which I don't have. I don't really have any marketing knowledge because yeah. I, didn't, I didn't do it in college. Um, I, there are also some other things. My organizational skills could probably be improved and you know my networking skills, all these kind of things. And like those are skills that I'm gonna need. Mm. In eight or nine years, when eventually i I maybe will be lucky enough to be doing what I want to do. So I'm like, where can I gain those experiences now? You know, when, where, what can I be doing for the next twelve or or, or twelve months or two years that will allow me to develop some of those skills that I can then use later on, mm-hmm. rather than trying to run headfirst into the career it's like right where can I get my marketing research like where where can I get that experience in the next two years and kind of taking a job that I'm kind of interested in but that's not my passion you know I don't, I really don't mind doing that for a few years as long as it pays the bills I can pay my rent I can still go out and have to crack with my friends and at the same time I'm like I'm getting this really valuable marketing experience that I'm going to use later down the line mm. Um, so I'm
0: if, like taking this down yeah
1: <laughs> so for, for the next like for the next like well however many years i'm just gonna try and like take slow steps up the ladder until i get to where i want to be and i know that that's all going to be valuable
0: yeah just be positive about it yeah no because i definitely find myself anyway i don't know if you're the same is that like i look at people who have been doing something say like presenting or something like that for years or journalism for years and i'm like how did you do that and, like, say, Tara Stewart, like, she's always like, Molly, calm down. Calm down. Like, she's <laughs> someone I look up to so much. She's been going at this for so long. And I'm like, Tara, how did you get this? And she's like, um, I've been working for, like, years and years and years. And, like, I've worked my ass mm-hmm. off. I'm like, oh, yeah, sorry, sorry. That's okay, <laughs> You know,
1: I'm I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. You know, I'm excited to yeah. do that and, to, like, see what happens over the next number of years and mm. see where I end up. And I'm you know willing to do anything yeah I've already done quite a mix of things yeah and I'm kind of whatever life throws at me I'll try and take it yeah and just make like try and turn it into something that I can use later on
0: yeah that's what I find really exciting about like as much (laughs) as the time we live in right now is kind of mad obviously we're very privileged and like I feel like you and me are taking the same kind of um I don't want to say road because it's like the the not the road. We're just like seeing what happens, seeing what life throws at us, and just mm. going along with it, which I think is like actually quite unusual for Dublin. Anyway, people seem to structure their lives like like they're writing an essay. <laughs> I saw
1: a really funny tweet the other day, and it was what did it say? Guel took summer, Thailand. No, J one summer, Thailand summer, P W C internship summer. Then you die. I, I would was like, that's so. <laughs>
0: interailing Thailand. Sorry, interailing. That's what yeah. I forgot. Yeah. Interrailing thailand um j1 um internship pwc or i never heard of that phrase the big four which i actually want to like (laughs) if it was written if it was like a palpable thing actually Mm -hmm. i was about to say something really bad (laughs) i was like i actually wanted (laughs) to raise it from the language of everyone because like i hear people be like oh and then she got into the big four i'm like Oh, can you actually give me an actual rate? But there's nothing wrong
1: with that if that's no, what you want to do. No, no, there's <laughs> well, nothing. that's not what I want to no, do. No, 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 <laughs>
0: not because of that, because of the pressure people put on themselves, themselves only to only for four companies. Yeah. Four companies. And people are like, oh, people are worried about that. That's, there's a world outside of KPMG that yeah. people just can't see. <laughs> if you are worried about that, please, like, don't be. That's don't why, be. That's there's what I was a world to say. of
1: opportunity. Yeah out there and you know it just you can't see it when you live in dublin yeah unless you're a tech genius and like you work for a tech company there's so much more opportunity outside of the city walls
0: <laughs> let's talk about moving to london on that note on that note so what was when you applied for a master's was it important that it was elsewhere or did you not mind
1: it definitely was okay. um i did i i didn't even consider looking to Ireland originally i was maybe going to go to germany or the netherlands where doing a masters is like cheapest chips mm-hmm. and they have a lot of incredible english language masters particularly in humanities and politics the netherlands is like just ahead of its game in everything mm-hmm. when it comes to uh like social things i mean they've empty prisons all over the netherlands because their like prison rehabilitation programs are so good that once people are actually finished their sentences they don't like mm. recommit crimes they actually end up reintegrating into society they're just a very interesting mm. country but um I was kind of looking towards the Netherlands really like maybe going to Utrecht or something to do they there's a great conflict um studies masters in Utrecht too but once I went to an open day in SOAS I was like this is the place for me yeah and um, it's just unparalleled but yeah getting out of Ireland was really important for me really important i think my last year that i had in dublin the last year of my degree really would like i'd I struggled with my mental health my whole way through university but it really kind of intensified in my final year and i just emotionally socially academically had a very tough year um within even during that year however i made some of the best friends ever like, mm. the best friends I ever made. Shout out to Darren, who will listen to this, who's my best friend, who's in mm-hmm. Australia. But, yeah, I really just made some fantastic friends. And um, then kind of got my master's and just went. I just left. Mm. Uh, and I w- never look back now. I would like to come back to Ireland eventually um, when the time is right. But I feel like there just is nothing here for me at the minute, which is sad. Yeah, yeah. And why do you Um, feel
0: that way? Like, I know why I would feel that way, but why do you? Yeah, I feel like for creatives, um, Mm -hmm. and if you're interested in,
1: not even just creatives, but if you work in humanities or development or anything like that, even a lot of, like, science-based courses, if you studied that, or if you didn't go to university, Ireland is, like not very easy on you like it's Mm. a it's a tough place to be I think we focus a lot on academia and you have to be the best of the best to get the job even though there's only like 10 jobs on offer Mm. you know so I think so many people are leaving because they they have no room to grow they feel stifled um if they didn't have the opportunity to go to university or if university didn't work out for them, companies are just not even interested in engaging with them, mm. you know? And I didn't realise in what how much of a vacuum it is here when it comes to education. Here you you say to someone you're doing a masters and it's like, oh kind of run of the mill. Mm. Everyone does a masters. When I moved to London and I was like, ah, oh, I'm doing a masters, people would be like, What? Yeah. Wow you're only 23, you're doing a master's? And I was like, yeah, Yeah. everybody kind of did that in in my, where, you know, my under, in my undergrad. Mm. Um, and so many people that I've met who are, are just really hard workers and really intelligent people who didn't go to university. And it's Me. It's, it's I'm joking. <laughs> but like, it, you know, the, the, the culture hasn't been yeah. evil to them when it, when it comes to that, you know? People are so much more open to, like, giving those people an opportunity and allowing mm. to, them to prove themselves, which I really like. Yeah. Because then you get such a mix, you know? I have such a nice mix of friends who... Where I did have the opportunity to like enjoy academia and other people who didn't. Mm. Um and I feel like Ireland just is a bit unforgiving.
0: Yeah. Oh, um, like just even socially, like I remember <coughs> when I dropped just because of obviously the the like background that I come from when I dropped out of uh, first year of college, and um, people were like it was like I people were like, Are you okay? Like are you like, are you okay? Mm. What What are you gonna? It was like I was dead. Like it was the end of the world. It was like that. I had there was no other options mm. for me. That it was like I couldn't even go back to college. Like it was like that. Honestly, something absolutely tragic and terrible had happened. Yeah. Whereas, like from I was so happy the day I went in. I was like, sorry. I, I can't do this anymore um, and it was like a celebration for me but then I find it so weird that like as well every time I was telling someone I was like but this is my plan this is a, yeah. instead of having I, like, I, everything even still like everything I do because I feel like I don't have that backing behind me I'm, I'm not saying I'm not like the most priv- like so so privileged but like because I don't have the like university backing behind me in, in the kind of conversations I have with people on like the daily It, it I feel like I have to justify myself a lot more and mm here and I've never even had a conversation about university with my friends in London I don't know if that's who I hang out with or yeah
1: but I I definitely think that it is like that on mass you know
0: Mm. people just
1: don't I think it's an obviously it's it's not a negative thing to value education Mm. but I think here it's like all people can see Mm. they can't see past it um and that's not great either you know um and yeah, I just really, there was no room for me to progress or learn anything new or to try new skills or anything. And I had to go. Mm. And it gave me honestly like a new lease in life. It yeah. was really, really great. And when I come back though now, it's a bit strange because I really only have a handful of people that are left in the city. So many people are gone. Yeah. Um, either to Australia or to the States. Quite a lot of people in London actually, which mm. was nice when I went over. At least I had a little Irish network. But everyone's gone.
0: Yeah, everyone's gone. And it's mad because I do hear a lot of people complaining about people leaving. Mm. And I do think that is an awkward stance for me to like comprehend because it's like people, for instance, if you're a DJ, if you move to Berlin, you may be able to make a living and then like practice your yeah, craft and sure. become better. Whereas like here, you may not be able to do that. Yeah. Um, And that's why people are going. Like if you had to work two jobs, to pay stifling rent and then also practice your craft it's obviously going to take you longer no matter how talented you are and maybe if you move elsewhere with any industry that can actually pay you properly you shouldn't have you
1: shouldn't have to break your back you know working in a coffee shop at five o'clock every morning to fund your music career or to fund you know your arts career or whatever you want to do that shouldn't be how it is and that Mm. is how it is in Dublin maybe you have to work in two cafes to pay your goddamn rent Mm. but that is just not really what it's like yeah it's still you have to grind in other places and you really have to put the work in but it's just not the same you don't feel as negatively about putting the work in because you feel like you're getting a bit back Mm. um and I mean I'm very involved in music like most of my friends in, in London now would be kind of would, would be very involved in maybe like radio or music and a, a lot of people are DJs and producers and that's how they make their money mm. you know they, they're not having to do crazy cafe jobs or service industry jobs just so that they can do what they love you know yeah. they have the opportunity to do what they really like yeah Um, which is great and it's lovely to see you know I just mm. love to see other people succeeding and it's great and London is really nice and it, we, we spoke about this briefly b- before this but um, about how I think not everyone, not going to paint everybody with the same brush but Irish people have, have trouble with like supporting each other and lifting each other up. Um, I would when, absolutely agree. When people are starting out. Yeah. And
0: it's like there's no space to grow you're either so successful and everyone's like oh my god you're amazing like yeah. can I get tickets to this and whatever or it's like Oh, my God, that's so embarrassing. Why did yeah. she just put up a track or there, whatever there, there, like that? that? And there yeah. really
1: is that kind of um, a, a kind of a culture. And that that just is very difficult to, to I found that very difficult to live in. And so making music is something that I really wanted to do for a long time. Mm. I just didn't feel like I had the space to do it here. Mm. And when I moved, I had people around me who were actively encouraging me to do it. You know, I'd maybe mention it. And after about five months being in London I was like, Do you know what? I'm gonna give this a go. Somebody showed me how to download Ableton onto my laptop and taught showed me where to get it from yeah. and I had people kinda guide me a little bit and give me really good feedback on maybe what I was doing or even
0: being able to ask questions. Yeah. Like I feel like um Sometimes, for me personally, say if I know someone's really good at something, I don't want to seem, like, stupid or that I shouldn't be Mm. given, um, maybe it's a slightly imposter syndrome or whatever, but I shouldn't be given certain things if I send it to them, ask them how, like, how do you edit or whatever, like, I don't feel like I can ask those questions I think it's an
1: Irish thing I think us Irish it just, all stems
0: from embarrassment and like yeah sin us and Irish
1: are terrible for it and I think mm. because uh obviously in London there's healthy competition wherever you go and people are kind of like look we all have to do this grind together so we're in it mm. together let's help each other out in Ireland I feel like because there's so little opportunity it's really like you know a race to the finish line Holds and your cards whoever your yeah chest. whoever like battle of the fittest or whatever and um, people just struggle to lift each other up it's not like obviously everyone's not like that but there definitely is a culture like that that does mm. exist in Ireland it's
0: not even like I can't even think of like particular individuals it's just like the larger atmosphere mm. of um, like like the country, yeah. People you, are like, oh, she's like notions. Yeah. Even the idea of notions that people yeah. say, oh, notions. Yeah. Why is that notions?
1: Yeah. They're just trying something new.
0: Exactly. You know. Like I dread to think the amount of WhatsApp groups I've been like sent into and just like destroyed. <laughs> Don't I'm, think about it. <laughs> but like at the same time, emigrate. Yeah. <laughs> that should be your
1: slogan. Emigrate and leave all your all your WhatsApp groups.
0: That's literally I left what I did. Seriously. Re- I probably um, shouldn't
1: say that. I probably edit that out. <laughs> Great and leave all your group chats that's the only way to succeed in life
0: (laughs) it's actually gas so like i i love talking about this because it kind (coughs) of makes you feel not alone i've talked about this with like so many different people on and off the podcast but like it's weird i think there is starting to be like a community fostered within the like creative community but like what i like have learned is that like say with podcasts like if someone Started Not that like Every podcast is so different Because it depends on Who's like hosting mm-hmm. it Same with music or whatever But like Say if someone Next door to me um, Who I felt was very similar To me or something Like started a podcast tomorrow I'd be like Thank god Because that just creates A um, Like a bigger community Therefore like More, more Opportunities yeah. For Like oh pod- Podcast is big now Like what can we do mm-hmm. with this From like Companies or whatever Like I just feel like Like for instance Depop, my sponsor, like they when they when they sponsored another podcast in America, they looked to London to, um, to sponsor some podcasts. I just happened to email them the day they did, did that, it, yeah. and then they like like they've sponsored the most random podcast in Dublin. Do you get me? Like, and that's because <laughs> yeah. of a podcast in America. And it is it, it
1: has that kind of normalizing effect when more people try and do things. Yeah, I just wish that um young people. Uh, in Dublin and in Ireland felt like they had the opportunity to do that or felt like they had the space or that it was v- like that what they were doing was valid, mm. you know. Um, and
0: that it's okay to not be perfect when you yeah. start something. I think that's like the main it's thing. Just,
1: honestly, if you just do it and don't look back.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, honestly, I have to. When I think about this, I I just think of someone who I feel really really feel like I have to mention Rue, who is an amazing DJ, um, and she started DJing quite a while ago, but has really just improved so much more lately, mm. and has been incredible to like watch her grow, um, as a musician and as an artist, um, and she is someone who. I really think just went for it Mm. you know Uh, even in a in a community in Dublin that is so saturated by techno and house and there's not really a lot of space for anything else the crowd like at Club Comfort really are doing something in Dublin they just went out on a limb and they did it and it's worked Mm. you know and for me whenever I think about my not being able to do something when I lived here they are such an inspiration like the whole crew of them Mm. um and you know jack and Kean who who are also involved in club comfort really just are like poster children for just trying something new yeah. in, in dublin and and not letting how you feel your friends or the people around you might react to you doing something a bit out there yeah uh, be, it yeah. is
0: mad that like well and for a long time i based my decisions on like probably two things I wanted to be hot and I wanted to be socially acceptable. Literally, I'm that's so embarrassing to say, mm. but like literally, I, it's it's taken me like years of unlearning like being like valued in that way, like yeah. that like I was actually not doing what I wanted to do in life, like my career, what I was going to do for like m- mm-hmm. the majority of my life on what others thought of me and like I know that's such a basic thought but like that's actually mad unless you believe in heaven or reincarnation that like your one life is spent doing what you don't want to do because we live in like maybe a smaller community but like I think I do feel like it is changing and I've heard a lot of people say like I feel more comfortable moving back to Dublin now I feel like like there's a different atmosphere and I actually really do feel that way I just like it will take a lot of unlearning. That's really nice it's, like, to hear. Inside yeah. of us, it, it is like, even it's ourselves. In it. Probably I think are guilty. We've, we've guilty been of bred it.
1: that way. Like yeah. our whole lives, just like the Irish psyche as a nation is like we're not good enough. Um, yeah, we were you know, even what, both saying yeah.
0: like you were like I don't know how I got into that college, and I was like it's because you're smart, but I understand <laughs> because That's I'm so, like yeah. Oh, I have this little thing that I do, but like don't. I, it's actually really not big, and it's actually terrible. Mm. So like whatever, you know. And what now I mean? something, you know. I've I think my values have
1: changed a lot from what they used to be when I was younger to trying to fit in or whatever to now being like really appreciating the people around me who work hard, Mm. who do what it is that they care and love, what what they care about and what they love. And definitely those are the kind of people now that I have around me. People who inspire me, people who encourage me, people who do their own thing and who really accept and support me for who I am and really support what I'm doing. Mm. You know, and uh, I was lucky to find those people in Dublin before I left and then find them again in London when I moved there and I think that's like a slow ripple I think people are starting to come around to having that kind of outlook rather than always fighting against each other Mm. Um, and actually like really support each other in Dublin I think slowly, slowly, slowly we're going to get there Okay. Eventually, yeah.
0: I think that's a good note to leave it on. Yeah. Okay, guys, th- let that be your takeaway. Your three and one for today is like if someone's <laughs> starting out, support them. Tell your friends you love them, and value those around yeah. you because it actually makes such a huge difference to your life. I'm sure like all of you know that already, but like it, I feel mm-hmm. like in the past year I've actually like even though it's something you hear so much, I've actually, like, taken that in and I had to fight against, like, what I've learned my whole life and actually do that for mm-hmm. other people and, like, for myself as well because, you like, there's endless benefits to supporting others and, like, so being many full of love. It comes back to you. It yeah. really com- it really does come back to you. I yeah. think people
1: are afraid that if they give it out, it's not going to come back. It
0: does. Yeah.
1: It'll come back in the most unexpected places. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So thank you. And also thank you to Up, because, um speaking of being full of love like all the p- friends that I'm talking about now most of them are from Depop and from my little Depop community so thank you Depop for sponsoring my podcast because um, most of all you've introduced me to the people <laughs> who are actually supporting and sharing my podcast <laughs> so and um, thank you so much for coming out no problem and for doing this podcast so randomly last minute mm-hmm. Um, not a lot of people would so thank you yeah. and I can't wait to see what you do in life and I'll obviously tag Searsha and all of this podcast promotion because you're a really good source for sources for valuable information on I hope I live up to that world (laughs) no no you will so thank you guys (laughs) goodbye